everybody. How's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. I'm Hub, and I'll be your host this evening, or afternoon, or whenever the heck you're listening to this. Hope you're having a nice time, whatever that uh, happens to be. Me? I'm doing pretty well. Been hanging out with uh, more of my friends that have kids lately, and that's been pretty fun. Gotta say, man, seems like a lot of work. And you know what nobody ever talks about? What has to be one of the most difficult parts of parenting that I don't think gets enough attention is how hard it must be and how kind of heartbreaking it must be when your kid is doing like a pantomime and you don't know whether they're doing a pantomime of a robot man or of a karate man because the movements are really similar. You know what? I bet nine out of ten times it's a karate robot man because kids are pretty great. And they haven't had society tell them yet that you can either be a robot man or a karate man. They know that you can do both. Man, what a life. (laughs) Anyway, we have what at least feels to me like an extra long synopsis this time. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. And it goes a little something like this. Stapled slim pamphlets with four-color printing. Loud and uncouth with passion unstinting. Panels that splash and explode with a pop bliss. Blessed vulgar art that needs hub synopsis. Thanks, Brad. There are some tongue twisters in there. Avengers, number 118. December, 1973. To the death. Written by Steve Englehart. Drotted by Bob Brown. With inks by Mike Esposito and Frank Giacoa. Defenders Roll Call. Doctor Strange. Silver Surfer. Namor. Hulk. Valkyrie. Hawkeye. Assembled Avengers. Captain America. Scarlet Witch. Black Panther. Mantis. Swordsman. Thor. Iron Man. The Vision. Assorted Others. Nick Fury and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, The Inhumans, Luke Cage, Kazar and Zabu, Ghost Rider, Man-Thing, Doctor Doom, Dracula, Adam Warlock, Thanos, and Uatu the Watcher. Dang, that's a lot of super people. Previously in the Avengers Defenders War. Evil flame-headed fuckwad Dormammu had a hankering to conquer the Earth. The only problem was he had previously promised never to invade this dimension, and even extra-dimensional despotic goobadouches know that a promise is a promise. Seeking to circumvent his solemn swear, Dormammu enlisted the aid of Loki, Norse god of lies, evil, and general fuckery. Loki had recently been blinded in battle, and since then, the sinister supervillain had been sightlessly stumbling around Vermont, which, unbeknownst to the vision-impaired villain, is lovely that time of year. Dormammu offered to use his powers to restore Loki's vision if, in exchange, the Norse ne'er-do-well would help him lawyer his way around the whole, promising to never invade the Earth situation. Loki agreed, and the two dread and puissant dipshits concocted a clever scheme. If Dormammu could get his hands on a device called the Evil Eye, then the fire-featured fiend could be powerful enough to expand his own Dark Dimension to the point that it enveloped the Earth Dimension, which would allow the match-headed menace to conquer the Earth Dimension without technically invading it. Clever plan! Or overly complicated nonsense, who can honestly tell anymore? There was only one problem with this non-aggression-packed nullifying notion. The Evil Eye had been shattered into six pieces and scattered around the globe. Who could this demonic duo dupe into delivering them the pieces of this powerful plot device. 
Why, the Defenders, of course. The two Archfiend falsified a mystical telegram for the Defenders buddy, the Black Knight, who had recently been turned into a statue, claiming that if they could slap together the six segments of the Evil Eye, each of which looked like a robo-vagina jammed under the end of a recorder, that that would be a swell way to refleshify him. Not wanting to disappoint that petrified pal, the Defenders leapt into action. Things seem to be going great for the bad guy buddies, but appearances not unlike Loki himself can be deceiving. Every time the deceitful deity brought up Dormammu's promise to perform mystical LASIK surgery on Loki's peepers, Dormammu would claim that he was too busy strutting around like a peacock. In addition, Loki was beginning to suspect that after conquering but not technically invading the Earth, Dormammu might try to conquer but not technically invade Asgard, and Loki had called dibs on conquering Asgard centuries ago. Realizing that the evil dictator who had enlisted his aid in weaseling his way around keeping a solemn oath might not be entirely trustworthy, the horn-headed Norse no-goodnik decided that he better start trying to foil his own plot. Knowing that nobody foils Loki's plots better than Thor and his buddies, the self-sabotaging supervillain popped into the Avengers' mansion and informed his frequent foes that the Defenders were planning on reassembling the evil eye and that if they were successful in snapping together the six sex-toy-looking segments, they would use the resulting device to conquer the world. At first, the Avengers were mildly hesitant to trust the word of the literal god of lies, but once the Vision pointed out the completely irrelevant fact that Loki was blind, the gullible global guardians decided to take the deceitful deity's story at face value. Fair enough. The Avengers set out to thwart the Defenders and prevent them from reassembling the mystical MacGuffin. Unfortunately, they did a very bad job. Six times an Avenger or a pair of Avengers clashed with a Defender over one of the sex toy Horcruxes, and six times a Defender emerged from the fray with one of the fantastical fleshlights in their possession. Finally, at the insistence of former World War II allies Captain America and Namor, the two teams finally had a discussion and realized that they were being played off one another by those duplicitous douchebags Dormammu and Loki, but by that point it was too late. The evil eyes sextet of Yonic components had been conveniently collected, and Dormammu sent his minion, an adorable disembodied mask named Asti the All-Seeing, to gobble them up and retrieve them. The combined forces of the Avengers and Defenders gazed up in horror as the fearsome flaming ski mask that Dormammu calls a face appeared in the sky and informed them that his dimension was overtaking theirs and they were totally, hopelessly fucked. Gad Zooks! How will Doctor Strange atone for his role in Dormammu's newfound dimensional dominance? Will the Defenders continue to outshine their Avenger counterparts? And if Dormammu will go to such lengths to keep the letter of the law on that whole dimensional invading thing, then why is Loki so worried about the whole eyeball repair promise? Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so... By yelling at people, ordering them around, and then falling asleep... Good lord, no. In fact, only three of them get speaking parts in this issue before they're unceremoniously taken out of the picture en masse. And, not sure. Maybe the Dark Dimension's moral code is like my health insurance and doesn't cover visual or dental. That's probably it. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, the Earth is totally fucked. Huh, sounds familiar. Dormammu has started the process of merging our dimension with the Dark Dimension. The landscape of Los Angeles is transformed into a nightmarish, surreal hellscape. Most people don't seem to notice. Zing. Actually, the reason most people don't seem to notice is that the majority of the Earth's population is understandably distracted by the fact that they themselves are also transforming into bizarre Dada-esque monsters. Dormammu's flaming visage helpfully provides the gloating exposition that the Earth's heroes have one hour to try to stop him before the transformation is complete. Good to know. Then he pops back to the dark dimension to strut about like a peacock a little bit more and gloat from the comfort of his own home. Doctor Strange casts a spell that keeps himself and his allies from turning into monsters. Or keeps them from turning into different kinds of monsters at any rate, depending on the individual in question. <coughs> Hawkeye. 
Steve then orders the assorted heroes to follow him into the dark dimension and help him face down Dormammu. Captain Merrick is like, um, who you ordering around? I know it's not me. Steve's like, what? I didn't even call any of you behemoths. This is me being nice. Now do what I say. Cap is concerned that the citizens of Earth who have turned into monsters are going to injure or kill themselves and then be all busted up when shit gets back to normal. Steve agrees that that is probably going to happen and that that sucks, but it would suck more if they never turned back to normal because Dormammu won and, you know, acceptable losses. The two self-appointed team leaders, who are both named Steve, appear to be at a bit of an impasse, when suddenly, Nick Fury, Dum Dum Duggan, and Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine show up on a shield helicarrier and start shooting all of the monsters with their giant machine guns. Hooray! I guess they must be non-lethal machine guns, because nobody seems upset that Nick and his buddies are shooting the transformed citizens of Los Angeles that they were just arguing about protecting. Hooray. Steve Strange says, Then it's settled. Nick and his two pals can just protect the planet while we're off doing the thing that I want us to do. Then he teleports them all off to the path to the dark dimension before any of them can argue with him any further. You know what, guys? That's as close to a compromise as you're likely to get out of Steve Strange. I'd take it. Once Strange is done thinking things over and deciding that he agrees with himself, the Baker's Dozen plus one of powerful superheroes find themselves in I guess what must be the suburbs of the Dark Dimension, on a creepy-ass gray cratered tongue of a winding path that leads to Dormammu's lair. Thor wants to take the flying heroes ahead, but Steve insists no, they aren't doing that. They have to stick to the path or shit would get real bad. Thor gives a loud blustery speech that basically ends with, Doctor Strange is right, everyone listen to him and do what he says. Jeez. Happy birthday, Steve. Meanwhile, in the Dark Dimension, Dormammu is doing what he does best. Strutting like a peacock. Hooray! He's just kind of blasting the evil eye around all willy-nilly, like when the little rascals would try to hang onto a fire hose, and he is loving it. Loki tries once again to entreat his flame-headed partner to restore his vision, but Dormammu isn't having any of that. He informs the visually impaired villain that he knows full well that Loki betrayed him and went to the Avengers, and he is never going to fix up those Asgardian peepers for him. Loki tries lying to him because, well, fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly, but no dice. Dormammu locks the deceitful deity in a mystical energy cage and starts watching the Avengers and Defenders approach his lair on his mystical security cameras. Speaking of watching, who's that that just showed up in Dormammu's den? Why, it's everyone's favorite baby-headed cosmic voyeur, Uatu the Watcher. Uatu is a member of a nigh-omnipotent race of baby-headed aliens who have taken a vow to never interfere with events but to watch them unfold and record them. He lives on the moon, and he breaks his vow all the fucking time. Dormammu is like, What the fuck, Uatu? Get out of my den! Are you here to fuck up my plan for universal domination? You better not. Uatu tells the fiery-tempered, as well as fiery everything else, fiend to chill out. He has taken a solemn vow never to interfere, and even though he has violated that oath like a billion times, including one time when he beat up the Red Ghost and his super apes, he would never violate his oath. He just wants to watch shit go down. Well, that's good enough for Dormammu, especially if it means he gets more of an audience to watch him strut like a peacock. Dormammu hands his guest a bowl of fiddle-faddle and commences to strutting. Meanwhile, back on the weird gray tongue path, our heroes are having problems of their own. They've just run into the mindless ones. What? The House of Representatives? Zing! No, different mindless ones. These mindless ones are the powerful creatures who roam the outskirts of Dormammu's realm devoid of any thought except for a primitive lust for destruction. Also, as Cory pointed out to me, 
they look a lot like anthropomorphic uncircumcised penises. Yeah. Hulk goes ahead and punches one of the shambling anthropomorphic dicks right in the dick. Wow. Meta. Steve tells him to knock it off. He explains that the mindless ones are immune to physical force. Shitty. So how can they defeat them? By all smiting them at the same time. Wait, so they're immune to physical force, but their one weakness is lots of physical force? Sure, why not? Back in the Earth dimension, Dormammu's transformed monstrous minions are being restrained by the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the Inhumans, Luke Cage, Kazar, and Zabu, Ghost Rider, Doctor Doom, Man-Thing, Dracula, Adam Warlock, and Thanos. And fuck, probably Santa Claus too. Why not? Anyway, they're all doing great. Nice work, everybody. Back in the Dark Dimension, our heroes are about to bust into Dormammu's pad, which Dormammu thinks is pretty funny. He checks again to make sure that Uatu isn't going to try to fuck things up for him, but Uatu's like, I'm good. So that's that. Steve finally manages to burst through the barrier that protects Dormammu's sanctum. Dormammu's like, great job. Now, everybody who's a member of the non-team The Defenders, go to sleep for the rest of this fight. So they do. Dang. That's pretty much it for The Defenders. The Avengers are like, we've got it from here. Avengers, assemble! And they charge the would-be omnidimensional dictator heroically. Dormammu uses his nearly unfathomable power to make some quicksand. What? Why doesn't he just tie him to some train tracks while he's at it? Ooh, I wonder if he can grow a flaming old-timey mustache and start twirling it. Anyway, the quicksand takes out Captain America, Mantis, Black Panther, and the Swordsman, and the Vision. So I guess I shouldn't throw shade at it. Go quicksand. Thor, Iron Man, and the Scarlet Witch jump or fly over the quicksand and go on to attack Dormammu. So he strips Iron Man of his armor and transforms Thor into his alter ego of Don Blake. Scarlet Witch is about to blast him with a hex bolt, so the villainous archfiend uses his reality warping powers to make a cloud start raining glue on her. Yeah. Dude has godlike powers and he uses them to make his assailant very, very sticky. I'm honestly not sure whether that's incredibly lame or kind of awesome. I'm actually kind of leaning towards the latter. Anyway, Dormammu reckons that it's time to strut about and preen just a little bit more. But, it turns out, that is the opportunity that Loki was waiting for. The horn-headed Asgardian asshole changes himself into a bug, flies through the mystical bars of his cage, and makes a grab for the evil eye. The two former super bad guy buddies struggle for control of the device. Then, a whole bunch of confusing shit happens all at once. The Scarlet Witch raises her oh-so-sticky arms and fires off a hex blast at Dormammu, which distracts him enough to give Loki control of the eye, which sucks in all of the cosmic energy that Dormammu is made of and uses it to grant Loki's immediate wish, which is to restore his vision, but also jams all of the combined mystic power of Dormammu and the evil eye itself through Loki's brain, which it just cannot process. So basically... Dormammu is gone, and now Loki can see, but it's time to break out Barbara Norris's collection of capital A's, because the Norse nincompoop is suddenly totally insane. Wow. Uatu tries to explain what has just happened to the startled Avengers and newly conscious Defenders. Back in Earth's dimension, everything goes back to normal, leaving pretty much the combined population of our universe wondering what the fuck just happened. Steve Strange picks up the evil eye and decides to clean up the remaining loose end by erasing the knowledge of Thor and Iron Man's secret identities from everyone who happened to see them. Except for, you know, himself, because he is Doctor Strange after all. Everybody goes home. 
the Avengers to have a press conference and tell the world, you're welcome for the whole saving you thing, and the Defenders to use the evil eye to refleshify their buddy the Black Knight. Uatu turns to the camera and gives a little soliloquy, the gist of which is, Humans, am I right? You sure are, Uatu. You sure are. And joining me once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Got a nice coffee drink with some stuff in it right now. It's good. This is not the first cup of coffee I've had today that had some stuff in it. No? I started off my day with a cup of coffee that I melted a Cadbury cream egg into. What? It was amazing! That sounds really sugary. It was so sugary. I was thinking when I made it, I was like, man, for Easter, Starbucks should do a Cadbury cream egg latte. Yeah. And then I realized that they pretty much do because it's basically just a mocha with a ton of extra sugar in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, what'd you think of the issue? (laughs) It was like a Cadbury cream egg melted in chocolate. A complicated mess? In coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it was fun. It was a fun, complicated mess. It was. I liked rereading it better than I liked reading it the first time, and I had to remind myself that it was not, strictly speaking, a Defenders comic book. It's an Avengers comic book, and that it kind of made sense to, at the climax of it, take the Defenders out of the equation. But that annoyed me at first. Yeah, yeah, not nearly enough smashing from Hulk and... There was some pretty good bossing around from Doctor Strange. There was a lot of really good bossing around from Doctor Strange. I just mean the fact that they were, at one point, Dormammu was just like, um, I only feel like dealing with the Avengers, so all of the Defenders fall asleep right now. And they did. Yep. So, there was that. There was quicksand. There was quicksand. I like seeing some quicksand in a comic book. Did you know that children, apparently, these days are no longer afraid of quicksand? I have heard that. How did you find that out? It was on the radio. Did you threaten some children with quicksand? I did. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. There are many other things you can threaten children with. I suppose so. It'll be okay, Corey. Okay. There's <laughs> always dishes to do. Indeed. They don't like that. No. So, quicksand? Yeah, there was quicksand. I will say, I did not like the art in this issue, for the most part. You got to see Silver Surfer with his eyeliner on, looking all Lucha Libre-like. That's true. And you got to see Iron Man looking like he was taking a poop in the first panel. Uh, The very first panel. (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Everybody is making crazy in the first panel where it's like all of the offenders and defenders together. And it's supposed to be really dynamic. It is just really weirdly drawn. They're all yelling at the screen. Mantis is doing some kind of a mummy walk. Like a mummy or Frankenstein where she just has her arms straight out and she's kind of hunched over. Yeah, Iron Man and Namor look like they're taking angry poops. Namor, really, yeah. It doesn't make sense that they would all be standing there yelling to the death, which apparently they are. It's also, the art in this is very oddly credited. Because... At the top of it, where it would normally list the entire staff, and it does for the most part, it lists Steve Englehart as the author, and then it cuts right to Mike Esposito and Frank Giacoa, inkers, and then the letterer and uh, the colorist, and Roy Thomas as the editor, and then in a little bubble at the bottom it says, Heartfelt thanks to Blown Away Bob Brown for knocking himself out in the artwork for this ish. Very well done, Bob. I, I would maybe disagree with that, but... When you have multiple inkers working on an issue, it's generally a sign of rushed artwork. Hmm. And that is definitely what seems to be happening here. I understand it's a hell of a task. 
I think from reading, we get spoiled reading the new Teen Titans stuff because George Perez draws complicated crowd scenes so effortlessly Mm. that you kind of almost forget how difficult it is to draw that many distinct figures in one issue. And it really seems that this may have broken Bob Brown. There's some nicer stuff towards the end, but anytime it's a crowd scene, it's it shows. You get angry pooping. You get angry poop faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What uh, what were some things that jumped out to you about the issue? There was so many characters from the Marvel Universe in this issue. There really were. There's a couple of pages where you just see that Dormammu's invasion of the Earth's realm, or not an invasion, just a enveloping and then... Turning into turning insane, into crazy, badly universe. drawn monsters. Right, the Cronenbergification of oh, the Earth. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is being combated by the Earth heroes. Which honestly, it, it's nice and it's kind of fun, but it also doesn't make a ton of sense that they would be the only people that weren't turned into monsters. It like it is explained why the Avengers and Defenders that is the case with because Doctor Strange says a little spell that let's just read it i actually didn't get that until i reread it it bothered me through the whole thing why are they the only folks that didn't and then i I did find his little incantation there that solved it i I like that he signs his work too Uh, oh says dr strange or something doleful demons of dnac (laughs) turn from your fees save those who strive with me from turning to beasts so speaks dr strange I wonder how many of his sentences he ends that way. Like, and reading that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. I bet it's all of his sentences. Because that's not even his, like, that's not part of the spell. He's just like, oh, I said some things. I don't know. Maybe it is necessary, though, because, like, in this, magic is all about, like, how well you can channel your will and your ego. So maybe that's just, he's just reinforcing it. So do you think Doctor Strange being kind of a douche is, like, necessary for the type of magic that he's doing? No, I just think it's a happy accident. Like, that's why he's so good at it. He was a All dick right. before he got magical. <laughs> he's just a magical dick. This works out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you might be right. So maybe it, it's just a generalized spell. We have seen that in recent issues, Doctor Strange has become more powerful. Is it just to generalize anybody who's on my side doesn't turn into a monster? So just like all superheroes everywhere around the universe? No, it's only the people that are around him on his team when he says it, because when... That's right, when S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield, shows up, yep. one of them does turn into a monster. Yep, Valentina Allegro de Fontaine. Yeah. I had to write that one down, that's a pretty special name. It's a pretty fun name. Yep. Around this era... There were some very fun Nick Fury and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stories going on. I forget how he talks all (laughs) crazy-like. You mean, like, Cyborg? He does kind of... Yeah, like, he he has a Cyborg, Robot Man, Ben Grimm thing going on. That's true. Like, either this character is from Brooklyn, or they are black, or they are a robot. Yeah. (laughs) Or some combination of those. Yeah, that was the good the the thing when he's we did it. What do we do? I really enjoyed that actually. <laughs> I love the thing. He is a delight. He is. What were some of the other heroes that were jumping out at you that were fighting alongside? There were some that were a total mystery to me, including the guy, the last two guys actually in that the, um, series of panels. Let's just turn to that ones. page and we can look at them. 
Yeah, where is that? It is, I believe, page 15. Yep. So the guy from Counter-Earth, this is not something oh, I not know about. And then uh, the guy fo- in the panel following. Okay, him. page 17. So yeah, the guy from Counter-Earth, that is Adam Warlock. He's kind of a mess. He's in a lot of really fun stories. They're written by Jim Starlin. He was kind of an alter ego for Captain Marvel, I think. But basically, he's like a introspective golden space Jesus Christ superstar. He, he's like so a, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. Well, and his main enemy is himself from the future or past or something. Yeah. It, it's some complicated stories that are a lot of fun. Um, Next guy, Titan. Next guy, Titan. That's Thanos. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, he's like a big bad for a lot of them. I think speaking of the Marvel movies, he's going to be the next giant universal threat. And we've seen him introduced at, I think, the end of the first Avengers movie, too. Mm. He is a Titan. He is in love with death, like literally. And so in courting her, he tries to kill like sometimes half, sometimes all of the universe. Mm. He's, he's a real dickbag. Yeah. Sounds and he's like got it. a craggy chin. Hmm. So yeah, there's those guys, but on that same panel, you also see Dracula fighting them. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Or just saying like, no way, guys. Not cool. <laughs> Don't mess with the Dracula. <laughs> yeah, Dracatad. Should this evil continue, even Dracula might face annihilation. And that must never be. No. Ooh. His collar looks like Doctor Strange's collar. Yeah, there's a lot of Dracula collars going around. It also looks like Uatu's collar. Mm-hmm. Um, it also looks like Phobia's collar. Mm. We get a really weird-looking Doctor Doom in here who is also saying that, knock it off, guys. It's pretty derpy. Yep. You get the hilariously named Man-Thing, who <laughs> I am a fan of. You get Kazar and his buddy Zabu. The giant saber-toothed tiger. Which I'm glad you had to point that one out to me. I remember I actually did have a few of those comics. Yeah. When I was a kid, and they were a lot of fun. They're pretty funny. He lives in the Savage Land. His best friend's the saber-toothed tiger. Mm -hmm. He's a very blatant Tarzan knockoff. Yeah. Good times. I read the issue where he was going to get married to a nice lady, and a devil-like guy tried to break it up, and they had a big fight. Oh, yeah. That'll happen. That's probably Mephisto. He's probably going to marry Sheena. Yep, Yep. That's the one. You got Luke Cage, who I love, and uh, he's saying, Sweet sister, Broadway's going psycho all around me, and this was supposed to be my day off. My Luke Cage voice is very heavily informed by the Marvel Ultimate Alliance video game, which he had a character in that that I may have mentioned this before, but if you try to make him walk into a wall or something, he would say, I can't walk in this direction. But it sounded a lot like he was saying, I can't walk with this erection. <laughs> and so I would just always make him walk into walls. <laughs> because I'm a grown-up. Yep. Yeah, you got the Inhumans are up in the top corner there. And yeah, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider. I like what he's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Satan's only hassled me up until now. This can't be his doing. Really? Really, Ghost Rider? You're the only person Satan has ever fucked with? Well, uh, you know, he's just, he's got a big head. Yeah, apparently. A big flaming head. Yep. The size of the flaming head on that guy. Mm. But yeah, those were all kind of fun. And yep. then at the end, I guess they all kind of like, you find out they were all fighting pretty in close proximity to each other, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess not all of them. 
but some guys on Titan and Counter Earth. Yeah, but like you see that oh, Spider Man and the Inhumans and the Fantastic Four were all like standing right next to each other, which you certainly couldn't tell from those earlier panels. Mm-hmm. And you also find out that after the whole fight's over, the Avengers are going to hold a press conference, which actually makes sense. Sure. Why wouldn't you? Hey, we just saved the Earth. All that weird shit that happened, we stopped it. You're welcome. Those monsters are pretty jacked up. Yeah, man. That first scene where there's like a lady turning into a monster. She's got like monster legs. And then uh, the dude standing next to her is like looking at his hands. Like <laughs> having a really bad trip. Like, yeah. why, why are these like just claws now? Yeah. Yeah, why do I have... Why are my legs so short? This is very weird. Why am I so weirdly drawn? I should probably attack those guys. Because <laughs> what? Yeah. Bad yeah. scene. But yeah, pretty... pretty Pretty fun. Pretty fun. And, and I like the idea that it's just like, it's crazy. Chaos is reigning everywhere. What do you think of the path that leads them to Dormammu's realm? Pretty gross. Pretty gross. It looks like... Did you ever watch the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon? Yeah, I think so. Do you remember Iceman's Ice Slides? Yeah. It was like if that was made out of a gray tongue. Yeah. with It had like moon... Like craters. moon craters, but I definitely got the impression that it was like tongue-like. It, it was, was really tongue-y. weird. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a hairy, cratery tongue of an ice slide. Kind of drippy. That leads to Dormammu's realm. Gross. Yeah, super gross. And you gotta stay on the tongue. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> Doctor Strange said so. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I hate that expression, but you're right, Doctor Strange would say it a lot. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. So says Dr. Strange. <laughs> Stay on the tongue. No one must go ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, he's so bossy. I know you guys are faster than me. He is super bossy. And he pulls some classic Dr. Strange moves here. First of all, assuming command of the entire roster of heroes, even though they're two separate teams. Kind of makes sense. He definitely has the most experience with Dormammu, who's the bad guy there. And I feel like there are probably superhero like protocol where whoever you're the arch enemy of if there's a team up you lead the battle kind of makes sense but when he and captain america are having their argument about like look we should we should we need to stay here and i I protect people from hurting themselves after they turn into monsters and dr strange is like no 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 i get that but it's more important everything's lost if we don't combine all of our powers and go to dormammu and they're having that argument, and then the guys from S.H.I.E.L.D. show up, and Doctor Strange is instantly like, Oh, okay, well, this is th- this settles the argument. I decided our argument is over, so off we go. Yep. Very Doctor Strange. I, I also think it's in his personality that the more stressed out he is, and the more responsibility he is, kind of the more of an authoritarian dick he becomes. Oh, absolutely. It just ratchets up. Yeah. And, and it definitely does come out because, yeah, when he's when he's telling them all they need to stay on the path, there's also a, a fun, yes, no, Thor, under no circumstances must you stray from this trail. It's like, we will stay together. Yep, talking to Thor like he's a kid. Well, and Thor is basically just like, man, you, you're being a real dick, but okay, we'll follow his lead and accept his authority on all occult matters. Yeah, good for you, kinda. Also, not really sounding like the Thor we know and love. No, that's true. But there was another Doctor Strange moment where... Okay, yeah, Silver Surfer says, 
The dimensional transformation rapidly nears its climax, Doctor. You can feel it in the air around you. I know, Surfer. Don't you think I know? (laughs) (laughs) That cracked me up. Yeah, that cracked me up, too. What did you think of Uatu? Remind me which uh, one that is. He's the big baby-looking dude. Oh, oh, the Watcher, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he looked like a big dumb baby. Yeah, he kind of does. He doesn't look enough like a baby is the problem for me. Normally, he's got like a giant head. And it was like Bob Brown had a description of Uatu, but like, was he's like, oh, so he's a guy with a big baby head. And he just drew kind of a fat guy who had kind of a baby head instead of the giant oversized head on a sm- smaller body that Uatu is normally drawn as. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, totally weirdly drawn. I really liked his speech patterns. The way that they had him talk was funny to me. Yeah, uh, give an example. Uh, we'll get to that when we go over the, oh, okay. the dialogue. Okay. But just kind of needlessly verbose. Needlessly verbose, but occasionally lapsing into slang, which was also kind of weird. Just, yeah, and generally, in general, pretty funny. I also enjoyed his kind of explanation of of Dormammu and what he is and how he came to be. And, you know, it made me almost wonder if this was like a little bit of a poke at uh, organized religion. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And that is right up Steve Englehart's alley. Yeah. Yeah, he describes Dormammu's extra-dimensional form is composed of raw energy continually afire. That energy is generated by lesser beings' belief in and worship of him, as with most mystical entities. When the Scarlet Witch disrupted him, blah blah blah. Yet be warned that Dormammu will rise again, for those who love sin will continue to call upon him, and in time their reverence will reshape him. That's something you see, I think, a lot more of now, the idea that gods are made real by the belief of their worshippers. Mm-hmm. I had kind of an interesting takeaway from that, because when they described that, all I could keep thinking of, okay, so he's a being shaped entirely of raw energy. And you see when he gets sucked into the evil eye, when Loki wrests it from him, Mm -hmm. it leaves this empty, shriveled up jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. So I was just picturing this being composed of raw energy who can alter his form. And I had always just assumed that that suit was just part of him. Mm Mm-hmm. That he was assuming. But no, he went and picked out a jumpsuit. He went jumpsuit shopping. And it made me picture like him having like the like the romantic comedy montage of him just trying different outfits. <laughs> and like, I'm walking on sunshine is playing in the background. <laughs> he's coming out of the he's coming out of the dressing room and he's got like uh Osti <laughs> sitting there shaking her mask. No. <laughs> Until he finally comes out wearing the purple jumpsuit. It's like, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. I hope we get to see that. I hope so. That would be really fun. Marvel producers, if you're listening, (laughs) we got a winner. Yeah. I mean, you're licensing a lot of songs for this Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. You could totally get Katrina and the Waves walking on sunshine. Maybe put a fun dress-up montage Mm -hmm. in there. I would enjoy that. And I think a lot of your viewers would. Mm Mm-hmm. Dormammu rom-com. Make it happen. Boom. 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 The other thing that I liked about Dormammu is that he's back to his strutting ways. <laughs> he's having a grand old time. He is having so much fun running the universe. It's almost a shame it has to come to an end. I love how just when he's holding that torch aloft, he just looks so like... Mm. Like, oh, when he's throwing his giant disco space, rainbow space rave? Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> wee! <laughs> he's a really joyful 
terrible character. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's super evil. He also, I believe when Uatu shows up, he swears. We've talked before about different characters in Engelhart written books swearing by their family members or parts of their family members. We've had Silver Surfer saying, by my father's head. T'Challa, the Black Panther, saying, by the great T'Chaka, or as I translated that, by my whole dad. Right. And now we have Dormammu saying, by my sister. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's a weird thing that that Engelhart has going on there. Mm -hmm. I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Hmm. I'm not really. Okay. Do you want to touch on the way that the mindless ones were drawn at all? (laughs) Probably should. It's a good thing they didn't draw their power slit vertically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you brought up, and honestly, I've seen enough depictions of the mindless ones in various comic books that I've like, it didn't occur to me. They totally look like uncircumcised dicks. Yep. And... Yeah, you're right. If they had drawn <laughs> their power slits as you play. Well, that's where the rings where they their beams shoot out. Of. Shoot out of <laughs> the top of their heads. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, you are totally right. <laughs> and Bob Brown has a tendency. I will say in this issue, the evil eye looks way less like a robo vagina than it generally has oh, in yeah. previous issues. It also looks completely different from one panel to the next. Different colors, different sizes. Which, I mean, maybe you could explain that as there are no constants in Dormammu's universe. And so, like, it (laughs) is always changing. Um, But that doesn't seem to be happening to anyone else or anything else that's going on around there. Yeah, no, it's still like a teacup glued to a recorder. Yeah, but it's... Yeah. Different colors, different sizes, aspect ratio changes. Yeah. I had one other Doctor Strange thing, which okay. maybe you're going to bring up. But we'll find out. But him being a, even more so like than normal, bossing people around and making assumptions and having privilege and everything. Yeah. The whole, like, and I will erase all of your memories. Yeah. For the good of everybody. Yeah, that is going to come up later, but but yeah, that was... Really? It, it, not but not my own. That, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. He's like, I'll erase your, the revelation of your secret identities from each other's minds. I wonder if he left it mm-hmm. in everyone else there's mind. Mm. He's like, until you decide to reveal them to each other on your own time, you silly people. But I'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> so says Dr. Strange. Yeah, I think... At least under his breath, he ends that by saying, so says Dr. Strange. It's like a satisfied chuckle. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) quite. Yeah, you ready to hit up the minutia? Indeed. All right. Rick, you feel like singing us in? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. All right, what do you feel like starting with? Mm, Panel? Okay. Starting off with a banger. I... <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you'll see. Okay. I have a number that I'm choosing from. Well, what one do you want to talk about first? I had two, and I'll go with my runner-up first, which is page 11, and I just call it Dance Party. I called it the Rainbow Space Rave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It is Dormammu having a great fucking time, just flinging his head back, and 
I swear to God, there's fucking Gloria Gaynor songs playing in the background Mm -hmm. as he thrusts the evil eye skyward and rainbows shoot out of it. It had a very, like, pride parade kind of... Yeah, it totally did. It was very joyful. Yeah, I I really liked that one. That was on my list. I also had, on page 22, I call it the Avengers Assemble folder art. Um, Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, there's this panel where they say their catchphrase, Avengers Mm -hmm. Assemble, but... It's in front of this like rainbow background and it really looks like the kind of thing you would see on a like 1970s Trapper Keeper folder. Very much. Both in the fact that the design and layout of it is that kind of dynamism, but also in that the artwork is like a little bit less than you would normally see in a comic book. Mm -hmm. But I kind of liked it for that reason. Mm-hmm. You had another one? I did, and it was on uh, page 15, speaking of real bangers, and it was the uh, the epic dick punch. <laughs> it's Hulk smashing one of the uh, mindless ones. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I definitely wanted to talk about the dick punch. It didn't quite qualify as favorite panel for me, but not just the punch itself, but what he says when he is making the dick punch. He's just punching a mindless one unambiguously right in the dick. It's nice to see the Hulk get to do what he does best, which is punch mindless giants in the dick. And it makes a giant foom sound effect. And what he says was, Hulk has wanted to hit something, and now he knows he has good target. <laughs> really makes it sound like he is like, oh, finally, I can't believe we're on like my 16th Defenders issue and I'm just now getting to punch somebody in the dick. It's been too long. It really has been. That one was really fun. For me, I really liked the second page where you see all of the people transforming into monsters and you have the one dude being like, man, look at this crazy claw. (laughs) Um, And you see like the nightmarish landscape in the background. I thought that was pretty fun. And I liked the idea that everybody's turning into different kinds of monsters. Mm -hmm. And it was, I believe, page 30, I think is my favorite panel. It is Loki- being driven mad by having the entirety of the evil eye sorceress power thrust through his brain. And he's just going, no, like, but he's so stoked that he can see again because it gave him his vision back. But oh no, he saw too much too soon. It's actually a really nicely drawn panel and he really does look like he is freaking out. Yeah. But also there's that slight touch of glee. Like you really do see kind of in that panel, it's, no, I mean, yay, but no, this is too much. And I, I think it's really well done. It is well drawn. And I, I think that is my favorite panel. And the one that precedes it, too, again, the evil eye is just, it's, I hate to keep harping on it, but it is a goofy device. It like, really is. In that panel, it looks like the overhead light in a police interrogation scene yep. that is swinging from the ceiling. Yeah, very inconsistent. But that is also the one where you see the empty jumpsuit that Dormammu picked out. Mm-hmm. And boots and gloves. Yeah. And a belt. Yeah. it's He He picked out a whole outfit. <laughs> Where does a dude made entirely of energy shop? Oh, I bet there are a ton of places in the Marvel Universe. Mm. I want to see it. Man, I really want to see that montage. I bet they have catalogs, too, that they send out with, like, all the accessories you oh, can get. Oh, totally. And good guys and bad guys have separate catalogs. Uh-huh. But every now and then, you know. You cross be, over. It's yeah. like, well, I've got kind of a bad boy look going on. Yeah. Really want to have this spiked leather shit. I'm just going to get this sash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to 
mix things up. I bet they have a pretty strict vetting process, but you can get around it if, like, during the phone call you just say, uh, yeah, I'd like to order the A27. Uh, sir, that is for supervillains? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a supervillain. Are you, sir? It's like, yes, I am, fool. (laughs) And I'll be like, all right, we'll ship that right over, sir. Okay, sound effects. What was your favorite sound effect? It's, I feel bad because I've picked it again in the past, but it's a... Uh, is it plow? It's a plow. <laughs> good, old, good old plow. Just cracks me up. I liked plow. I liked the one uh, a little bit better. I feel like we may have had it before, but not in quite some time. It was on the panel right before plow. Crom! Ah, that was my backup. <laughs> because I like Crom. Mm-hmm. Good Conan swear. Yep. I enjoyed that. Yeah, those are pretty straightforward. There weren't any, like, really out of left field ones. I mean... Other than Crom and Plow, but we have mm-hmm. seen them both before, I think. But good, solid sound effects throughout. I wonder if... I'm trying to think about the foom from the dick punch. Is that like the sound of like a bunch of like air escaping after something has been compressed? Maybe. Like you're saying that the foom is the noise of the vacuum that, er- that comes in behind his punch uh, because he punched so fast? No, like he punched the thing so hard that just... that it deflated his his dick or or just in general that area was was damaged enough well that, that is one possibility mm. although the other possibility is that right then both the hulk and the mindless one decided to join foom the friends of old marvel fan club oh yes good old marvel yeah well that is actually what the name of the fan club was in the 70s i recall yeah so Possibly that's what happened. Ah. No way to really know. We'll never know. Mm. So, uh, sartorially speaking, mm. what do you feel like talking about? There was two outfits that okay. I enjoyed. I mean, there was kind of... There were a few different ones. A few different things to choose from. There, there's. I'm tempted to go back with, but I feel like we've spent enough time on Dormammu's outfit and just the fact that he has an outfit, which I keep kind of fixating on a little bit yeah and how does it contain pure energy i don't anyway i've always been a fan of the the luke cage look you know it's a great look yeah despite the fact that we the thing that's come up a bunch of times about about the black characters not getting to have a shirt that you know stays a shirt yeah yeah it's a pretty close approximation of a he gets he gets more of a shirt than almost anybody else but it still has to be unbuttoned to below his navel yeah he's basically got it completely unbuttoned but still tucks it in Mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to do and the fact that the dude can pull that off with a tiara yeah and still look pretty badass yeah like that's that's a damn damn tough look to pull off but he does it and the giant chain belt yeah also is badass it really is which I he also taken off explicitly buys those yellow shirts in bulk. It comes up in his comic book. They're also, because we were very close to covering the Luke Cage hero for hire and, and subsequently Power Man and Iron Fist instead of the Defenders, hmm. because I also have the whole run of it and it is one of my favorite comic books. So just while I have the opportunity, my favorite thing that Luke Cage has ever done is Dr. Doom owed him $200, so he stole a Quinjet and went to Latveria to make Dr. Doom give him his $200. <laughs> and it was badass. <sighs> That's awesome. And he earned Dr. Doom's grudging respect. <laughs> well, yes, it should be. Yeah. 
But yeah, total badass. And yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. That's a, that's a great look. Fine fashion. You said there were two outfits. What's the other? I, the the uh, runner-up was uh, the guy whose name I've already forgotten, but that's the uh, Captain Mar- No, the... Uh... Oh, Adam Warlock. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty decent. He's got the lightning bolt on his chest because he's Captain Marvel. The Marvel Universe is Captain Marvel adjacent, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he's he's got a pretty decent space look going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made out of gold. He's got his long blonde hair. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. I went with, I want to focus on Uatu's look because it's so different than the Uatu that I'm used to seeing. Mm. Like, Kaz has kind of a robe and sash thing going on with a weird brooch that holds it together. And he's always got the Dracula collar. But in this, he has these outlandish giant shoulder pads too, Mm. which made it look like he was a lady going to a business meeting in the 80s. Mm. And he also has in this, like, gladiator sandals. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he's always got a bizarre look, but I'm so used to it being a consistent bizarre look that it really threw me. It's like, wait, why does that baby-headed man have shoulder pads? That was what I couldn't get out of my mind. Kind of in John with eyeliner, too. I don't know if that's normal. I think that's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's tough to tell if it's that. He never has pupils in his eyes. So who is he recording this shit for? Just himself? That's what his whole race does. They're just a race of giant, nearly omnipotent, but completely inactive uh, space voyeurs, basically, who just record history. They're historians or whatever. Except, and we will get to this later, they are never supposed to interfere with events, but just watch them happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Except he interferes all the goddamn time. He does. Yeah. He gave Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four the ultimate nullifier to thwart Galactus when Galactus first showed up. And I think that was the first appearance of the the Watcher. But I would say almost about 50% of the times he shows up in a comic book, he says, my kind must never interfere. But just this once. Mm. So I was kind of surprised he didn't do anything in this. But that's Uatu and... I didn't hate the shoulder pads, but I hate that he was just a fat guy who looks kind of like a baby instead of a giant baby-headed dude. That's uh, okay. I'm sorry. To each his own. What else? We gotta talk about Osaka, and we gotta talk about words. Yeah, we do. And then we gotta pick the best and the worst. So, what character in this book just had to be Osaka? Who acted very counter to their previously established character? I had quite a rough time coming up with a good example of this, so I came up with what I think is kind of a lame one, but... I did the same thing. I came up with three potential lame ones. Mm. What was what was yours? Mine was uh, on page 10, when Doctor Strange, as you had mentioned previously, is lecturing Thor about that he has to stay on the path and he can't go ahead, and we all have to stay together. Mm-hmm. And basically gives him a giant lecture, and Thor, I would normally expect to be like, screw you, I'm gonna do my thing, is like, everybody listen to Doctor Strange, he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) I think that's fair. That's actually better than any of mine. One potential one that I had was Dormammu, that when Uatu shows up behind him, and he's like, hey, I'm just here to watch, that Dormammu's like, oh, cool, that's cool, chill out, just watch, just make sure you only watch. And didn't just, like, he's got this new mind-bending, reality-altering, super, super power. I was kind of, it, it seemed off to me a little bit that he would just be like, okay. But then, also, I was able to kind of explain it away in that he likes to put on a show. He likes to strut. 
So having a guy who just wants to watch shit go down might appeal to him in that way. To such a degree that he actually tells the watcher, watch this shit and it'll be so awesome it'll justify your existence. (laughs) He literally says that last part. Yeah, he does. I can see why he and Doctor Strange are paired up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So the other thing is, it doesn't further the plot at all because there's really no reason for the Watcher to be there for any of this. Like, it, it's story-wise. It doesn't That's what they advance do. the plot. Oh. Well, okay, I know. <laughs> you just explained this to me. Fine. I don't understand why he was written into this comic book, though. I guess maybe just because it's a to underscore the fact that it's a giant event. Because that is kind of a thing. It's like if something real serious is going down, the Watcher will probably be there. And he was helpful by way of his, like, sort of exposition. Exposition at the end. Yeah. The other person I had was Uatu, that the fact that he actually didn't interfere. But he doesn't interfere about half the time. So, okay. Uh, So I ended up going with Loki. Um, And now I don't remember why. (laughs) (laughs) Let me take a little look. Man, I really do not remember why I chose Loki. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So yeah, I chose Loki because he could have turned into a bug and escaped from his cage at any point during this and just grabbed the evil eye, but he didn't. It's not a great one. He had to wait until Dormammu was distracted. Dormammu is always strutting around. Oh, maybe it was because Loki's attack allowed uh, Wanda to cast her hex on him. So it was like Loki was helping. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on either. I, I don't have a good one. Oh man, you know what that means. It means you get 70 Cory points. I was going to say 100. 75? Mm, 90. 85 Cory points. Okay, that's fair. 85 Cory points and three hub tokens. Wait, is that good for me or bad for me? Who can say? This is like doing taxes. (laughs) Don't understand. We'll tally them up at the end. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay. Who was your sucker? I went with Loki for reasons that are unclear to me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's what happens when you go with the Prince of Evil. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, who had the best words in this issue? I think Watu had some of the best words. Really? Okay. I like that he says, I am supremely gratified by what I have witnessed this day. Congratulations are due to you. I just think that's a, a good turn of phrase. I like that. There was, I'm trying to find where it was because he at one point also, he said something that used some slang that I was just like, wait. Oh, yeah, no, he says, in the meantime, however, his energy has been rammed through Loki's mind. It's not really slang, but it's that having something be rammed through his mind just doesn't seem like the sort of thing that a godlike alien would say. His prose should be more flowery. Yeah, and generally it is. Hmm. Yeah. An apt description. It's true. Loki's poor mind. Got all the stuff rammed through it. My favorite words were said by Iron Man, and he is immediately called on it, but it still really cracked me up. You heard the man, people. We can lick each other's wounds in the locker room after the game's (laughs) over. And Scarlet Witch responds by saying, mix your metaphors some other time, Iron Man, and for a more appreciative audience, I'm right with you. (laughs) Yeah, I... (laughs) 
chuckled when I read that, and then I forgot about it. I think had I remembered that, that would have been my choice. For, uh, we can for... lick each other's wounds in the locker room afterwards. What a weird fucking thing to say. <laughs> it really is. And I really like that it's like the next character say, that's a really weird thing to say. Yeah. That doesn't make a ton of sense. But they didn't change it or take it out. I, I really appreciated that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Who did you have as the best defender? in this issue. Oh, it's a good segue. Not only does the Red Witch call Iron Man out on his bullshit metaphors, Uh but she saves the day. She really does. There is a weird moment where she says that, like, Dormammu uses his powers to turn them all back into their alter egos. The three that are still attacking him. Thor, Iron Man, and the Scarlet Witch. And he says something to the effect of, wait, why are you still in a costume? And she's just like, because this is just me. This is who I am. She does say it But weird, she uses though. the phrase that I was my... Something about midwifed, right? Yeah, my mutant powers were midwifed with me. Which, mutant powers I didn't think kicked in until adolescence. Born. So, she was born. But she's saying that she was born with her mutant powers. And generally, mutant powers don't kick in until you hit puberty. Maybe she's an outlier. I guess, my, I guess she must be. Or at least she believes herself to be. But she says, my mutant ability was midwived along with me, Dormammu. You cannot separate me from my power, and you cannot stop me. And then he stops her, briefly at least, by making it rain glue. Which seems kind of lame. Like that, that <laughs> really stop does. Her. But he's having fun. He is having a time. Yeah. I also had the Scarlet Witch as my best defender. Mm. Although, strong backups for the Hulk for uh, punching that mindless <laughs> one in the dick. Which I guess technically could be punching the mindless one anywhere. But if you punch a dick in the dick, mm-hmm. that's something. Double D punch. Quite. So. Well, I hold on. I gotta say, even though Doctor Strange is also a dick in this issue, he does acquit himself quite well with keeping the team on the path and yeah. seeing things through. So he was he was a runner-up for me. I, I can understand that. Let's move on to worst offender. Who was the worst offender? Um, I wrote down... Hawkeye because I do not like him. (laughs) You know what, Corey? I will accept it. He literally, I don't think, says or does a single thing in this issue. But fair enough. (laughs) That was all I had. I went with Doctor Strange for the aforementioned, and I will remove your secret identities from each other's mind. But not mine. Just really Doctor Strange in it up. Uh, he does do a pretty good job. He protects those that are with him from turning into monsters, although that really doesn't seem to affect much of the superhero or supervillain community outside of them. Well, maybe they had some... They had their own shit going on. Yeah. Like, I can see, like, Doctor Doom probably invented a way to not turn into a monster. Mm-hmm. Or maybe under his armor he was turning into a monster. Who we'll can say? Uh, and, you know, Dracula's Dracula. Already kind of a monster. Some would say. Hmm. Did you have any backups or just decide to go with Hawkeye because you don't like him? I just left it at that. (laughs) I think that's fair. Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to bring up about this issue? Other that well, so is this the that this is the end of the war, right? Yeah, we get an epilogue, I think, in the next Defenders issue where okay. we find out what happened with the Black Knight and maybe a little bit of tie up. But more or less, this was the end of the Avengers Defenders War, and I have to say, we talked about it. I did overall like the comic book, felt a little anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's weird to say in an issue where like so much happened, but it was like. There was this buildup for this thing, and then all of it happened all at once. Also, the way that it happened was 
It's kind of like um, the Red Witch made... The Scarlet Witch. The, sorry. The <laughs> Scarlet Witch made um, Dormammu drop the evil eye. And then, like, if somebody could have just made him drop it sooner... It well, no, like... I don't think it was that he dropped it. I think it was, like, that then it was hit with a hex bolt, and also Loki, who is also a powerful mystical being, grabbed it and it focused on his desire, and that somehow sucked Dormammu into it. But yeah. It just kind of seemed like a fumble. Yeah. And then that was the that was what wrapped up this entire story arc, was yeah, it? Well, uh, a fumble can end a game. <laughs> Sage. And then you go back to the locker room and lick each other's wounds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's Yep. Okay. But yeah, no, I I, I agree. It it felt kind of anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Overall, what did you think of the Avengers Defenders were? It was like a pie not made out of steel. I liked it. Agreed. Pie not made out of steel. Yep. Pretty good. That, definitely not perfect. Uh, the Bob Brown art really did bother me. I don't want to harp on it too much. But there was a lot of really fun stuff that happened in this. I liked seeing the two teams of heroes interact with each other. A bunch of weird shit happened. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun. Overall, pretty fun. Pretty fun. I am happy to get back to the regular Defender storyline stuff. I am too. Yeah. It took a long time, man. I know. I feel kind of tired. Yeah. Man. Whew. War. What a ride. Man. War, what a ride, man. War, what a ride, man. So true. I think that old expression. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, listeners. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Avengers Defenders War. So you can reach me at ttwasteland at gmail.com and uh, let me know what you're thinking there. You can also leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Uh, I'd like to get more ears on the project. I'm sorry that last week's episode went up later than it normally does. I try to be pretty on time with things, but had a lot of technical issues, which are more or less resolved. So hopefully that won't be an issue again. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. We have not quite reached the long day's journey into night stretch goal but we're easing in on it so there's every chance that next week Corey will have to do some research and we will find out what aqualad is up to what's aqualad up to what could it be man aqualad in the 80s what could it be indeed if you'd like to hear what it can be give us some money we are also at a weird between time period with the hostess fruit pie theater because i think they may have ended the appearance of Hostess Fruit Pie ads in the New Teen Titans issues, because mm. we're down to, I think, 82 or 83. But I'm pretty sure they're coming up in the Defenders pretty soon, so we'll get to see some Marvel heroes in Hostess Fruit Pie ads for the first time, so that'll be a real treat. Enjoy, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well, by all of my family. <laughs> <laughs> so says Doctor Strange. Indeed. All right, bye. Bye. And they knew it.